The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one, welcome all. It is Tuesday, the final one of the month of September, September 26, 2023, 8.01 p.m. Central standard time which means we are late we are blogging the boys this is the weekly blog on the boys roundtable which you can watch in any number of places you can watch it on the blog on the boys youtube channel the blog on the boys twitch channel or the blog on the boys facebook page you can obviously watch it live you can catch the rewatch at your own convenience you can also listen to the show in an audio fashion on the blog on the boys podcast network where you get access to all sorts of shows in fact all throughout the week you can hear Two different shows every single weekday, one on Saturday, and of course our live post-game show, which we stream to all these platforms as well. Uh, the Blog and the Boys universe is a very busy place. My name is RJ Cho. You can see here, watch and read me all throughout it, just like you can the fine gentlemen who are with me tonight. We will go in clockwise order, and I have decided to tell uh, the loyal audience, the wonderful audience, a fun fact about each of them. Uh, we start with Tony Catalina. Tony, uh, who has taken so long to watch The Office that there is now going to be a reboot of it. Uh, so, Tony, um, I blame you for uh, this unfortunate circumstance that has plagued us all. So I'll end up watching the reboot, I guess, right? Like, <laughs> If you watch the reboot and not the actual one, I don't even know <laughs> that I can convey the level of disappointment. Um, but uh, nevertheless, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to uh, uh, express what we're doing quite yet, but Tony was the feistiest in terms of the information that our roundtablers had to provide. Uh, David Hellman was the kindest, I would suppose. Uh, he is sitting in the conference room, if you are watching, from uh, the aforementioned Dunder Mifflin. The fun fact about him is that he's probably had more than enough pumpkin than he can count, and we're still a week away from October. So, Hellman, chill out, dude. Like, it will still be there. Like, it's it's okay. You know, there's there's no such thing as enough pumpkin, but I do try to kind of take it in stride, everything in moderation. I don't think that that's true, based on um, your your Instagram stories, at the very least. Uh, next up, it is Brandon Clements, uh, the reigning roundtable champion. That is a good point to know. Not the fun facts that I will tell you all. My fun fact for Brandon is that he is a fan of Syracuse, in case anybody did not know this. Is this true, Brandon? Wait, what? Yeah, that's... Since I guess, when? Uh, you, you know me. I always bring in the fun facts to Syracuse. Actually, a fun fact about the Qs. They actually, their red zone percentage for defense is number one in the country. Just thought you guys might want to know that. See, why don't they call it the orange zone? Why is it called the red zone? Like, it's a color that's so close to orange, you would think that there would be some sort of delineation there between the two. I, I, I'm curious myself, but there are some local television programs that have the orange zone kind of thing in it. So it, it, it is something in our local television network. 
Uh, congratulations. Okay, well, um, fun facts about each and every one of you. Tony's was the worst uh, because Tony, so the office ended 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, and you haven't watched it. Um, I haven't either, Tony, so it's okay, bud. Brandon, if you want to go back to back, you should shut up right now. All right, that's all I'll say. Um, let's just be cool. Uh, so uh, we've got some points that we're not going to hand out, but David uh, did take one point away from Tony for never watching The Office. So again, Brandon, pay attention. Uh, Kevin took five points away from you, Howman, for The Pumpkin. Um, again, if we're in the month of October, it's one level of tolering, or tolerating, but like not now. Uh, in the Flats has offered three points to Tony for being feisty. Deserves uh, Deserved after that performance, I think, talking about the Cowboys, of course. Uh, we are here to commiserate the Dallas Cowboys falling 28-16 to 16 to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it's only Tuesday evening, but Howman, I, I think it's already been a long week on the internet. Um, it has been a very insufferable week if you are a member of Cowboys Twitter, uh, which everybody here obviously is. Yeah, you know, honestly, uh, my my fiancé is a Bears fan, so that's helped me oh, keep things in perspective. <laughs> So I, through her, I know that as bad as this week has already been for Cowboys fans, it could be a whole lot worse. That doesn't mean, though, that it's not, you know, it's not been a great week so far. Having to watch that game and then having to, to write about it, analyze it, talk about it afterwards. Um, and it was just kind of like the, the perfect coalescence of all the things that could have gone wrong. Like the red zone was a problem again. The defense got lit up by Josh Dobbs. And then, of course, top it all off with Dak Prescott throwing his first pick of the year. You knew it was going to come at some point, but to come at the end of a game against the Cardinals in the in the end zone like that, it was just kind of the the, the cherry on top of a horrible, horrible day for the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, Rick says, hi, RJ, Tony, Dave, and Brandon. The rare Dave uh, for Howman uh, goes by Howman around these parts. So uh, interesting. Uh, Dave uh, in our world is uh, Blog of the Voice founder, Dave Halpern. Uh, either way. Here, man. That's right. I, you know, I beg Dave to come on these and he won't. So if you guys pressure him, uh, maybe he finally will. Uh, Tony, the pressure has been high around Dak Prescott. Um, and again, I don't want to give away your information here tonight, but um, it, it took one moment. I mean, I mean, it, it is a slippery slope that the Dallas Cowboys walked that, you know, one moment of mortality uh, to be shown was enough for the hounds to kind of get, you know, sick loose on them. Yeah, they, they've been ready to pounce. Um, they didn't give him really anything in the first two weeks. So, you know, there's some built up anger there from outside the fan base. And then within the fan base, it's been so long since, you know, we're back into the flow of things in football. I forgot what a Cowboys loss felt like and what that meant on the Twitter streets. And it's it's a very dark place. So it's 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 been a tough, like you said, week and it's only been two days. Yeah, Brandon, you are generally um, the most positive person amongst us. I mean, you predicted 5,000 yards for Dak Prescott. You predicted the team to win like 15 games. Um, you know, so um, th there, there is no sky falling in your world. Um, but it was an unsettling loss. To Tony's point, I mean, it had been a very long time since we had to reckon with this reality. And so there is a sense of like, hey, it's the first one. I mean, maybe everybody's kind of getting warmed up to this whole experience. Yeah, yeah. As you mentioned, I'm, I'm very much a very positive Cowboys fan. Even with like, what, seven, eight minutes left in the game, I'm looking at Cowboys Twitter and everybody's like, this game's over. And it's like Rico makes a play, like goes across like seven people. And I'm like, all right, we still got a chance here. You know, my, my wife looks at me and she's like, you're nuts. But I've seen the Cowboys do these things before. I remember a giant, a particular Giants game where Jason Witten, you know, made a catch at the end of the game where they were not, they were had no business winning that game. So to me, the game's not over until the whistle is blown. Like it hits zero. So I was... You know, and unfortunately, you know, the Cardinals are not known as a really good team. And actually, in the last 15 years, uh, the Cowboys have not done so well against the Cardinals, historically speaking. So 
so it, you know, unfortunately, the Cardinals have uh, have our number right now, which is on which is obviously unfortunate. But to me, it's just a one loss. And, you know, you know, in, in these parts in Central New York, we, you know, wh- how we look at things is from like a Syracuse basketball perspective is, you know, one loss earlier in the season doesn't mean, oh no, you're not going to make the NCAA tournament. So for me, get the bad losses out of the way before the real, the, like the real fun really starts in December. And for me, I don't, you know, even if you lose one or two games leading up to December, I'm not that worried about it. I'd rather, I'd rather get them out of the way now instead of going to the playoffs, losing a couple games, sputtering into the playoffs, and 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 then the momentum's completely gone. So there's 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 growth from this. Dan Quinn said a lot of great things on his press conference this week. He felt pretty good, you know. And I trust Dan Quinn will right the ship. It was it was one of those weird games. Josh Dobbs threw for. You know, I mean, the, the, the passing, you know, passing number is 189. That's not the number I really care about. It was 81% completion percentage of what I saw. And it was just, you know, it was unfortunate, but it's one of those things. We have 17 games. I'm not worried about one game out of 17. I'm still standing pat. I think the Cowboys still 13 wins. I still think is very obtainable. Uh, you mentioned that Jason Witten game. That was the 2015 season opener. Uh, that drive uh, should always be known as the Lance Dunbar drive. I know that Jason Witten got the score, but uh, Lance Dunbar did all the work, just to be very clear. Uh, a dive into the comments. Forever DC says they didn't look ready. Did we not have any scouting? No one knew the center was going to bounce his head up and down. Uh, in the flat says Dak didn't play bad, but when you make $40 million and looking for near $60 million on an extension, you need to be special more often. Yet again, he wasn't bad, but how about go win the game, Dak? $40 million is cheap. I mean, like, if you're upset about a quarterback making $40 million, I really think you need to get uh, a grip on, on some perspective. But you did mention he wants to make $60 million. Um, obviously, that price tag is a little bit different. Um, let's see here. Courtney, Tony, I'm going to give you the points, but uh, Courtney has said plus five points to Tony for his take yesterday on the first and 10 podcast. Red zone offense is a problem. Again, Tony, I'll give you the points, but I mean, like everyone is kind of saying that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. but but nevertheless, you you can have the points. I appreciate her listening, but yeah, I think that's a pretty um, a wide view there that everybody agrees with. Tony thinks the Cowboys are a good football team, everybody. Uh, but uh, on a true. point on a point note, um, you each earned twenty points with the introductory uh, comment. So Tony, you're sitting at twenty five. Howman twenty. Brandon twenty. Uh, it is going to be a high scoring sort of night, kind of like a Syracuse basketball game um, in some respects. Uh, Casey Hammond. Last thing before we get into our subject, impromptu question. You can fix. You can only fix one. Are you fixing the red zone offense or the run defense? Um, only Howman gets to answer this. Howman. All right. Well, I appreciate having the opportunity to be the only one who answers. And without really thinking too much about it, I'm going red zone offense because one, you have to score touchdowns in order to win. And two, if you fix the red zone offense and you're scoring a bunch of touchdowns, the other team isn't going to be running it that much anyway, because they're going to have to throw to get back in the game, which was the case against both the Giants and the Jets. So I want to fix the red zone offense. Those are my only two choices. Um, I do want to say quickly, right before we dive in, um, I think it's hilarious um i know you were giving dan quinn some kudos uh brandon but you know when the cowboys lose mike mccarthy stinks and i love dan quinn to be very clear but like the cowboys got run all over got passed all over by josh Dobbs, and i mean just complete crickets on dan quinn dan quinn is is perfect is infallible it is never like he has such a sweet gig i mean like it is amazing there is no fault that he is ever responsible for um, so, um, kudos to him. Uh, but, uh, Hellman, you went, uh, red zone offense, um, tonight's prompt for our round tablers and for the audience, 
are is problems, problems that we may uh, have identified with the Cowboys as a result of their loss. And these can kind of stem throughout the first three games as a whole. Uh, I've asked each of our roundtailers to present two problems and then for them to agree or disagree with the prompts that are presented by their counterparts. So, Brandon, you are the reigning roundtable winner, and it worked out for you that Hellman went with the red zone offense because one of your problems that you offered was the Cowboys' ability to stop the run. And also, uh, disclaimer, if I misinterpreted y'all's points, uh, please clarify when you were called upon. But that being said, Brandon, uh, your issue, your problem, go ahead. The floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, it, it starts up front of the defensive line. 222 rushing yards giving up uh, against the Arizona Cardinals of all teams. It was it was a disaster, 7.4 yards a carry. I know some of those numbers can be inflated by Rand, Rondell Moore and Josh Dobbs, you know, 40-plus yards uh, per attempt. But still, 7.4 yards given up. It, the defense just looked shaky on the front end. It, it, it was – there was – you know, the alignments were off. Like, I, 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 you know, I see, you know, the defensive tackle and the, the defensive end. It, it, like, there was so much gap in between. It was like you're begging – you're begging the Cardinals to, you know, hit that hole. It's like, you're going to leave it here. You're going let to let a bus already go through this. Okay, well, we'll go hit it. And last time I checked, James Conner is one of those dudes where he's not, you know, he, he's, he's one of those downhill guys, and he's a power back, and he's going to hit the hole hard. And obviously, if he sees a hole that big, he's going to go for it pretty hard. And, and, you know, and look here, 14 carries, just under 100 yards, that is not a good thing. And just by looking at the stats, you know, you know, the, you know, the Cowboys have obviously they're two and one right now. We, we all know that, but this run defense has actually been, it, it's no one's talking about it, but the defense right now is 25th in the league in rushing yards uh, per game. So that's, and that includes a 28th uh, for uh, this past week. So, you know, looking at the stats, you know, everybody's talked about how great this defense has. I certainly have. I love this defense. You know, looking at the pass numbers, the pass defense is one of the top in the league. I believe it's number two in the league for uh, passing yards per game given up. It's, you know, that part of it I'm not as concerned about just yet. I know the Trayvon Diggs situation, you know, unfortunately, he's not going to be with us for the rest of the season. Wish him well. Hope he gets back and uh, ready for 2024. But, the, you know, to me, I made a point on the writer's block that you, uh, you guys can go listen to on the entire blog and the boys podcast network uh, this morning, where I want to see more Mozzie Smith. You know, I get, you know, I want Osa to play as much as possible. And, I, you know, Hankins, is, he's a very serviceable, he does a good job. But to me, the, the, the point is, you draft a guy in the first round, get him out there. If he's got 20, 20% snap counts, and I think his highest on the season is like 20, 24, 25, and it's gotten lower and lower each week, I don't like that. Like, to me, when Neville Gallimore, yes, he's hustled. I've seen some of the highlights. A uh, friend of ours, uh, Brandon Laurie, co-host on the Writer's Block, Hellman and I, he sent me a great clip. He's like, yeah, I mean, he's, 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 he's an effort guy. But to me, you draft a guy like Mozzie Smith in the first round, put him out there, let him play. And this is going to help the linebackers because Mozzie Smith is such a strong, big dude. He can take on two guys, and that's going to leave the linebackers ready to attack the, the running backs. It all starts up front. Osa's doing a great job. I love what Osa's doing. He's going to be due for a big payday down the line. But, you know, on the other end of it, on the other interior side, I want to see more Mozzie Smith. I think Mozzie Smith, you know, with more snaps, you're going to unlock his potential. And you, you can't just let him sit on the bench. He needs to play. He's only going to get better with, with playing. And I'd rather have him in there more so than Hankins just so we can get, get to see what we have in Mozzie Smith and not just sit on it for a year or two. 
Uh, quickly, Brian, thank you for the super chat. Everybody follow Brian on TikTok at Talk Cowboys since week one. Uh, win was an overreaction week for the positive. This week is overreaction week for the bad. We aren't as good as week one. We aren't as bad as week three. Calm down and we will be better. Go Cowboys. Tony, um, there was a comment in response to my point about Dan Quinn from In the Flats that, excuse me, this is it, that said uh, Dan Quinn has built up more equity. If anyone has built up equity on the Cowboys, it is Micah Parsons. Um, so I am in no way coming for him. Uh, but Micah has said, run right at me. And the Cardinals listened. <laughs> and um, it it did not work out well. Um, so, I mean, everyone, what the, what's the proverbialism? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's kind of what this felt like for the Cowboys on Sunday. Yeah, it just, it, it, it came out and it just, it's perplexing. I don't want to kind of steal my own thunder for later on, but they just for whatever reason, against an inferior opponent, uh, they just didn't come out ready to play football. They just looked like there was a lot of mistakes. I mean, 13 penalties speaks for itself. Michael Parsons, I mean, eventually what we were going to see here is week one and week two were such outliers, right? Week one, they were able to run the football a little bit on the Cowboys before things got off the tracks for them. Week two, thank you to the Jets for not really sticking to it, even though they had Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. Arizona didn't get, you know, jump behind. They actually jumped out in front, which allowed them to stay on schedule and be able to stick to the plan. And the plan for the Cowboys last year into this season is run the football on them and you'll have success with the play action game. The Cowboys will kind of beat themselves and and you see them kind of go out there and do these things. Michael Parsons isn't, um, you know, absolved of that. My man, you know, he had some penalties. He had some issues. And and I think Dan Quinn or you know whoever alluded to it, like there might have been three guys on the defensive side of the ball that they said even played well or up to their standard. So um, it's, it's really hard to look at this game. And like I said, I won't, you know, steal my own thunder later on, but you look at it and it's like, okay, nobody came to play and you wonder why. So you agree that this is a problem, right? Like just to be clear, like you're not Without pushing doubt, back. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Uh, Hellman, um, this has remained a problem, right? Like th this is like, you know, Brandon mentioned Jonathan Hankins, the Cowboys traded for him last year because they needed help. They needed that big body along the middle, along the interior to kind of clog up the run. Didn't exactly do anything. When Leighton Vanderesh went down with an injury, it was like, oh man, well you need Leighton Vanderesh. He's going to be the guy that kind of stops this. Like, when does it end? Like, wh what is the fix? <laughs> like at what point? I mean, the two biggest threats to them in the NFC are both amazing at running the ball in the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. And so if you're getting gashed by the Cardinals, it doesn't necessarily incite positivity with regards to the future. I mean, yeah, I, I do think it's it's frustrating to kind of keep having to talk about the run defense after they've tried all these fixes. But I also, I agree that it was a huge problem against the Cardinals. I don't think it's like the biggest problem going forward um, because what we kind of forget is against both the Giants and the Jets, they actually had a pretty good run defense. Granted, neither of those teams were running the ball a lot, but after the first two weeks, the Cowboys led the league in both run defense, DVOA, and they also led the league in EPA allowed per rush. These are not like volume metrics. These are per play uh, statistics that look just at the efficiency of those runs that they were allowing. So they were doing well against the run against those two teams, even though they weren't running the ball a whole lot against them. Now, the Cardinals are a very different scheme. They run the ball a lot. They had the luxury of, of continuing to run the ball. But at the same time, like when I went back and watched the game afterwards, some of it just came down to bad run fits. There were a lot of times where the way that the defensive line lined up, they just left these huge holes open for them. And the Cardinals, they had a really simple time because they were basically just like, hey, look at that huge space. Just run there, pull our linemen over there, get in that spot, and you're going to have success. And that's what they did. And 
you know, the, the defense did a little bit better against the run in the second half. And I think some of that was just Dan Quinn kind of tightened up some of those formations, but really the, this, this comes down to more of a scheme situation of like showing up the run fits a little bit. I don't know what they were thinking with the plan that they had, but again, I, I trust Quinn to be able to fix that and get that corrected uh, going into next week. And then obviously the week after against the 49ers will be the real test of if they can actually stop the run against a team that's going to run the ball right up their mouth. So we'll, we'll see, but I'm not, I'm not like hitting the panic button on the run defense just yet. Okay. So not a clean sweep. So a failure on your behalf, Brandon. So no offense. Uh, hold, 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 hold on. Hold on. I just, I, just, I got to jump in really quick on this. So, so 20, 25th out of 32 teams and we're about 20% through the season that to me, that's a little nerve wracking, especially with the kind of games we got coming up. I'm, you know, the Patriots, I think Bill Belichick's going to run hard against us. And obviously the Niners are right down the line here coming up. So I'm worried about it. 25th out of 32 against teams that I, that know that we're struggling, they're going to hammer us in the middle. It's going it, to they need to do some changes in a hurry, or this is going to get nasty. Um, I'm sorry, I had to look at my phone um, and look at the weather app because there's thunder in the clouds that Tony <laughs> Catalina was referring to a number of different times. Uh, Tony, I don't know uh, which one of your own points you are referring to, but I'm just going to spin the wheel between the two and um, go with this one. This is your point. One of the two prompts that you sent. Um, how this team handles inferior teams you believe to be a problem. We'll hear whether or not Brandon and or Howman agree with you, but state your case. Yeah, there is no analytic number that's going to back my point up. It's just if you're a Cowboys fan and you understand the makeup of this team and just everything that embodies the Cowboys, like you knew that they're set up for one of these type of situations. What they did against the Arizona Cardinals is what they did against the Denver Broncos. And if you go down the history, they just do it consistently every year where there's one game that just doesn't make sense right because I think Brian said it in the comments they're not as good as they were week one but they'll I don't think they'll ever be as bad as they were this week right and it just doesn't make sense why a team who's organically tanking who brought in Josh Dobbs to be the quarterback and I know they've been gritty and tough and they played well against other teams but and I know the Cowboys are down three offensive linemen but there's no rhyme or reason that they shouldn't have won this game. I think if they played it 10 times, the Cowboys win it nine times. So it's just it's just one of those things where they I don't know why this team, they either feel themselves or they they sleepwalk into a situation. They think they can get cute and, you know, it, it becomes about everything but just doing the job. And it's just one of the most infuriating things because – it, it just you can never really tell why, but you can always tell that something like this might happen. And I knew the way and this is just a feeling. This is, you know, I've been a, you know, a hopeless romantic for the Dust Cowboys my whole life. So I could just feel by the way everybody was talking. I mean, we predict the games that Dave, you know, Hammond writes an article about it. And people are just so extremely positive. And even when Trayvon Diggs got hurt and Tyler Biotis was dealing with stuff, people are saying, okay, now it's still going to be, you know, it'll be 17-point win instead of a 24-point win. Or it'll be 10. And I'm just like, this is just, it just it had the recipe to go exactly how it did. And I, and I remember just looking at my wife going, here we go. And it was like the first drive. And I'm just like, this has it written all over it. So again, Howman's got the analytics. I just got the gut feeling and I just know. And if you know, you know. I don't think there are necessarily analytics to support or disprove this, but the Cowboys are one of the better teams against the spread in the Mike McCarthy era, which is, you know, good teams win, great teams cover, um, you know, and that's even as underdogs, which Mike McCarthy famously said the Cowboys are nobody's underdog um, and kind of instilled that belief. Hellman, um, I'll save my two cents on this until after each of you go, but I have a feeling that you're going to kick back against this a little bit. Um, 
Yes and no. I mean, I, I think on some level, this is just the way that it goes in the NFL. I mean, good teams occasionally lose to bad teams. Last year, same week of the season, the Chiefs lost to the Matt Ryan Colts, and that was not that that had no impact on how their season actually unfolded. That had no impact on them getting there and winning the Super Bowl with a one-legged quarterback. Like they, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. Like they they're still a very good football team, very well coached, and. And it's the same thing with the Cowboys. They they may not be as good as the Chiefs, but they're they're up there. I mean, they've won twelve games each of the last two years. They're well coached. They're very talented. Um, part of me does get frustrated though that you know you know the each of the last three years with Mike McCarthy, obviously the twenty twenty season kind of gets thrown out because of all the injuries they had and all of the things with the COVID pandemic and the new staff adjusting to it. But the, each of the last three years, they've had at least one game where. They were just like heavy favorites, and then they come in, they get punched in the mouth, and they lose. And that is frustrating to see. It's frustrating because it's starting to become a bit of a trend. It's frustrating because specifically with the Cardinals, this is a team that they've struggled against, especially in that stadium. Everybody talks about like the turf, and, and in that Super Bowl last year, like the Chiefs and the Eagles both had problems with it. Um, we saw you know, some of the Cowboys players in this game were kind of – they didn't have sure footing. They weren't as fast as they usually are. Some of it is just comes down to that. And I even wrote like in the week leading up how in their five games that they had played in the stadium, they were favored in all of them. They were two and three in those games. Now they're two and four. Like things just go wrong in that stadium for them when they go out there and play. So, you know, it, it that's that's why I felt like this could be a trap game, even though it's the Cardinals. Everyone thinks they're tanking. You know, they, they don't have a whole lot of talent. And it is frustrating to see like, yeah, it, that's exactly what happened. They fell into the trap. They got overconfident. and quite literally like they were too aggressive in the game. I mean, that very, that, that Dobbs keeper, like Micah Parsons just crashes down too hard. If he was, you know, just a little bit behind, he could have wrapped him up for a loss and instead a 44 yard gain and, you know, all the offsides penalties, people being over aggressive. So um, I, I'm, I'm not going to kind of with the run defense, I'm not going to say like it's necessarily a problem, but it is a worrisome trend that's starting to, to form. Brandon, Kevin notes in the comments, um, this stuff does happen. Who had Houston smoking Jacksonville? Uh, we also had a comment from Kevin that said, I doubt anyone had the Colts and Gardner Minshew beating Baltimore. Either weird stuff happens from time to time. Howman obviously cited the uh, the Chiefs falling to the Matt Ryan-led Colts last year, who were one of the worst teams in the NFL. So um, Tony's point notwithstanding, do you agree that this is a Cowboys problem or just, you know, it's hard to be perfect all the time? No, it definitely is a problem. And, and to Kevin's point there, those are the, the, the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, those are the two teams I was going to bring up. Week 14, week 15 last year, the, uh, the Cowboys snuck, they snuck a win against the Texans, who obviously were, they were, you know, tanking at that point of the game uh, season to get, you know, to try to get better going forward. That game, they, you know, they just barely won that game. And then they lost the Jacksonville Jaguars game, which I know they're, they're on the come up, but they were an inferior team in my book last year, obviously. They lost in overtime, you know, in overtime. That was, you know, we, we remember that. We talked about it plenty. To me, it's 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 a trend for the Cowboys. I feel like, you know, as a fan my entire life, I feel like, you know, the Cowboys could be, you know, they could have 10 wins, you know, going through like eight games, for example, and a team that has one or two wins at that point. It's like, oh, here we go. You know, here comes that trap game. It's just, I, I have that feeling. It's just, you know, being a fan. And, you know, to me, it's a gut thing. Like Tony said, I, I you know, I, you know, I'm a, I go with my gut with these things and, I, you know, I, I, I didn't feel as confident with the Arizona game. Like it was, 
you know, knowing the stats in the last 15 years and, 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 and everything, you know, that goes along with it, 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 to me with the injuries with, you know, with that, it kind of was like, I'm not going to say I was, you know, like, oh my God, like this, you know, it, it it's not the end of the world, but it, it, in a way it didn't also surprise me because the Cowboys have done this over the last few years. It's like, I've seen games where they just, it, they came out and they're flat. Now, I, you know, I'm not going to say everything is on like the offensive line or the defensive line. It was a collective effort. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We all know that, but it, it definitely doesn't hurt. You know, it definitely does hurt. I mean, when, you lose three of your starting offensive linemen, two of them are going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. And then one, Tyler Biotis, who is, to me, he's one of the most improved centers in the league. I think a lot of us would agree with that. And he's, he's one of the better guys. And hopefully he's around, you know, uh, around Dallas for the long term. When you lose three guys like that and you're putting two guys in for their first career start, you know, it, it, it kind of, you kind know, of, I hate to say, it, you almost, you almost feel, you feel bad for Dak. Um. I would offer Tony that I think this is true of every team in the NFL, every team in all sports, like find, find the team that is undefeated against the spread. You know what I mean? Like maybe the, what the 2016 warriors who lost in the finals, right? Like, I mean, you know, like it's just impossible. Like it's, it's, it's just on a human level, it's impossible to be perfect all the time. Uh, I, I will say, I mean, like, I'm not saying that the Cowboys don't deserve uh, fault uh, for this loss, Brian with a great point in the super chat section. Thank you, Brian. Says, I honestly think Mike McCarthy got caught with his pants down. I wouldn't go that far, but says, I think he rested offensive line for injuries. Discipline was non-existent and players just weren't prepared. I put that on Mike McCarthy. Thoughts? I think it's fair to put something like that on McCarthy. I agree uh, with Brandon's point, obviously. It's difficult to win under those circumstances, but if they're self-induced and you're that confident that you can overcome them, that's up to you. But, I mean, equally tony i mean they they win games they're not supposed to like the game that he he said that line when they were nobody's underdog they were like six or seven point underdogs against the rams with cooper rush i mean like that's just life like you know what goes up must come down like gravity is 9.81 meters per second squared you know like so i don't think that's a cowboys problem specifically yeah i mean i i get that yeah everyone loses games and they win it's you know it's the it's the part of the kind of the way the nfl's built it's it's the you know how it is but i will say you know, one more negative, and, and then I'll wrap it with a positive, is this team feels like they need a big moment to rise to the occasion, right? This wasn't the A-team broadcasters. This wasn't Greg Olson. This wasn't Romo. Yeah, this it was, was. To your point, it literally wasn't. It was a kind of a quiet day for Fox. It was baked in there. Right. So it's just like, yeah, you're getting, you know, a B group, a C group, and it's against the Cardinals, and it's not the game, America's game of the week. So it's it's almost like you you can bet, and I said this on the podcast, like, they're going to be up for the 49ers game. I don't know if they'll win, but it'll be they'll play well because there's there's eyes and there's is something to that. And the kind of like I said about the positive side of this, how they handle these games, you see them go out and just curb stomp teams the next week. So I'm fairly confident we're going to see the best of the Cowboys next week against the Patriots and and that would just prove that would just be more of the the point where I'm frustrated where every year I want to say this team is different. They're actually turning the corner in a team like that yeah, they're going to lose some close games. I don't want to get beat by two touchdowns by the Arizona Cardinals in a season they're trying to lose. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning 
and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, Chris Holling awarded Halman 10 points for his background. Uh, Chris, Halman has already been awarded points for his background. Plus, you can't come in and fudge the results and stuff the ballot box. Also, uh, Chris, while we're at it, you can't comment that the Cowboys should trade for Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, just uh, <laughs> we know that you feel very passionate. About Everybody follow Dallas Cowboys squad on Instagram, and Chris will tell you why that absolutely has to happen. Um, okay, I, I'll, my last two cents on this, uh, sorry, Tony, is I put this in the same box as like when people are like, oh, this announcer hates the Cowboys. That's not true. Oh, Roger Goodell hates the Cowboys. That's not true. Oh, the Cowboys never get these calls. None of that is true. That is just your own human brain making human brain level decisions. And that's okay. Uh, Halman, you are up with your first one. Um, let's go with this one. Uh People talking about Dak Prescott and his pick instead of the defense um, is your point. So it seems you agree that screw Dan Quinn's equity. You know, why are you talking about Dak Prescott and his interception? Dan Quinn was the one who fell apart in Arizona. Yeah, I, I, I do think it was interesting that comment about like Dan Quinn has more equity than Mike McCarthy. Like which one of them has a Super Bowl ring? Like <laughs> McCarthy's been a head coach, gone to the Super Bowl and won. You know, I, I know Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn gonna, went, he went, you know, how many, yeah, no, he, he was there. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was part of the most epic Super Bowl collapse in history. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, Dan Quinn has done a tremendous job as a defensive coordinator. He took a, a very bad defense, turned them into an elite unit pretty much overnight. Um, but like he also, he, he is not perfect. He, he had a bad game. The defense had a bad game. Um, and, and I think the fact that so much of the discussion has been about Dak Prescott and, you know, we're talking about like, oh, he's, you know, 40 million, wants 60 million, like you got to win games, you know, and we're just kind of discounting the fact that he had three backups starting along the offensive line, um, you know, and they're saying, well, you know, if you're, if you're really that good of a quarterback, you're going to overcome that and you're going <laughs> to lead your team to the win. Well, where was this energy in week one, the very first game of the year, Pat Mahomes without Travis Kelsey, and he loses to the Lions. And then the very next week, he gets Kelsey back. And granted, the Chiefs win, but they only put up 17 points against the Jacksonville defense. They just got 37 dropped on him by C.J. Stroud and the Texans. So, like, he, he had a bad game against the Lions. He had a bad game with Kelsey against the Jaguars. And, and everyone's kind of like, oh, you know, Chiefs, they'll figure it out. Deck does it against uh, against the Cardinals, who through the first two weeks, they played fairly well rel relative to their expectations. And suddenly it's, oh, this is why Dak can't win games. This is why he's not, you know, a top five quarterback. And, and a lot of it really hinged on that interception, too. It was like, I don't think a whole lot of people during the game were necessarily saying Dak looks awful, but he threw that pick and suddenly it's, oh, there's the Dak we know. There's there's all those interceptions. And you know, just, just to that point, too, like, before that play happened, first of all, there had been five straight run calls and burned almost two minutes off the clock. Very, very poor play calling from Mike McCarthy. I've been an advocate of his, but that was just, that was not similar to Dan Quinn calling a bad game. That was a really bad stretch for McCarthy. 
But at the point when they called that play, the Cowboys win probability was at 12%. Obviously it went down a lot more after the interception, but anyone who's saying like, Oh, he, he cost them the game with that interception. Like they, they really, they had a chance. Yes. But they really didn't have a chance. The game was pretty much already lost then because the defense gave up 28 points to Josh Dobbs because they weren't really able to score in the red zone effectively. Part of that influenced by their offensive line. And it's, it's just so hard to, to actually say with some seriousness to it, that like this was Dak Prescott's game that he lost them because there were so many other factors that went into it. And, you know, it's just that, that adds a level of frustration alongside with the win is, now everybody's talking about Dak, even though all these other things went wrong. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, Brandon. Um, and that's kind of the price that Dak Prescott pays, um, which is why part of why he's paid the way he is. I mean, although granted it is a, a deal relative to the market, uh, but I know that people see the $40 million number and they, you know, that's that's a ridiculous number, whatever, blah, blah. Um, but I, I think, I don't know at what point I realized, and I'm sure all of you realized this offseason, because this offseason was a real inflection point, I think, um, in the Dallas Cowboys quarterback polarization conversation. It's it's actually fundamentally impossible to have a, an objective conversation about Dak Prescott with somebody who doesn't root for the Cowboys because they're they're gonna be jaded, they're gonna be swayed. Like it is actually impossible. Like it cannot happen because everybody has whatever biases or implied thoughts or implied assumptions about him and to Hellman's point this was kind of the catalytic effect right like Dak Prescott throws an interception and that's the headline for what was otherwise a really poor overall game from the team yeah 100 percent. it's you know and, and unfortunately you know for Dak like you said he's you know he's he is the face of the Cowboys I mean he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys of America's team so yes when he makes that bad throw and that yes it was his first interception of the season thus far he you know, through three games, he's thrown one pick. It was, that, it was the that, most, of course, way to throw it, right? Like, it was like, I think we course. are like, oh, of course, like, this is the way it happens, right? Exactly. I'm sitting there looking at, you know, watching the game, and I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be fun seeing all the great uh, Cowboys haters out there. We're like, oh, there's, there's Dak showing up in the clutch when he's done other clutch things in his career. To me, it's, it, it's it, the, the talk about Dak Prescott, especially, yes, you mentioned the $40 million, uh, you know, average salary. He's 11th in the league among quarterbacks, tied for 11th in annual salary for a guy who is a, in my opinion, he's a, you know, he's, he's a, a top 10 quarterback. So to me, you're still getting value. Yeah. And, if, know, if he's better than 11th, he's a value. Like that's it. That's all the, the exactly. conversation is. I mean, and here's the other thing, the guy he's tied for 11th for you ask any giants fan. Oh yeah. Are you happy about Daniel Jones for 40 million bucks? If they're going to lie to your face. Say yes. They don't for 40 million bucks. They can get, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, obviously he's injured, but before the injury, his average was 37.5. And I think they would take his, you know, almost 40-year-old self before the injury, before a, a younger Daniel Jones. And to me, it's, 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 a, it's a joke, you know, and, and, and yes, Dan Quinn does, you know, he, he does have a little bit of that bank, so to speak, where he's got a lot of funds in the bank, you know, literally and figuratively, where with the fans, we, you know, we, we do give him a little bit more of an easy pass. It's but a I, completely know, I, easy path. The dude walks on water. I mean, like, what are you talking no, it's, about? They, it's they, true. Actually, you know, while we're on the subject, <laughs> does anybody remember who was the interim head coach when Mike McCarthy was on the COVID list in 2020 and they went to New Orleans and they barely won? It was Dan Quinn. Like, they, yeah. they almost did not win that game. And Dan Quinn was the interim head coach. But no, the dude, again, I really like Dan Quinn. So I hate that I have to, like, go to such a negative end of the spectrum to put, you know, kind of provide balance in the force. No, I agree. No, you're you're not wrong with that. That's I mean, it's a hundred percent fact. We all love DQ. He's the best defensive coordinator in the league. I don't 
you know, even even defensive coordinators, coaches can have bad games. They can call bad games. So guess what? Dan Quinn, if he has one of these every so often, okay, you're not going to go and fire the guy. Like he's still to me and my, you know, for my money, I would say he's the best DC in the league. That's that. That's just my my opinion. But you know, to to Hellman's point, I do think it's on the defense more so because we've already hit on it. They they gave up the second most rushing yards by an NFL team this this week. I'm not, you know, I'm just going to say this. The other team was the uh, the Broncos, which we know how that went, 70 points, all that, 350 yards on the ground. But the Cowboys gave up over 200 yards rushing, and they're 25th in the league in, in rushing. So the rush defense right now is is not good. The pass defense is, you know, they're. I didn't think I don't I didn't think Josh Dobbs, you know, really lit the world on fire. I mean, you know, his, you know, he 189 yards passing. Okay, I'll take that against any quarterback in the league. To be honest with you, it's under 200 yards. So to me, I'm okay with that. But it's more so the run defense. And again, Dak Prescott is not the problem here. Dak Prescott played well enough, and I've already hammered it down. He's missing 60% of his offensive line, and he's running for his life. The press, he has to get the ball out so quick because obviously, he, you, know, you know, of course he's going to say, I trust the guys that are out there. But come on, you know he has a ticking clock in his head saying, okay, Zach's not here, Tyron Smith's not here, you know, Biotis is not here. Okay, I really got to make a quick read and get this out because – I don't think these guys can hold up in protection as, as long as the other guys. So to me, I think he did a hell of a job. You know, he, he still passed for, for 200, almost 250 yards. He still had a touchdown. He completed over 62% of his passes. It's not on deck. He made one bad read, and, of course, it cost the Cowboys the game, but it's a collective effort. Everybody didn't do their part, maybe besides Brandon Aubrey and, and, and uh, Michael Gallup and Pollard. All right. Um, so – to get off further into the tangent very quickly, Casey says, I'm going to push back on the easy breaks we're giving Dan Quinn. He's earned the equity. To go from the Nolan defense to where we've been the last two years gives a lot of credence. Um, well, that also coincided with the drafting of Micah Parsons and Osa Adigizua, um, and the emergence of Trayvon Diggs, right? Like those and the acquisition of J. Ron Curse. Also, if we're going to play this game, and Casey is really reasonable and objective, so this isn't a shot at you, Casey. The Cowboys had literally not been a playoff team in 15 in back to back years in 15 years since Mike McCarthy did it. The Cowboys had not won double digit games in back to back years in you know almost 20 years or 30 years, excuse me, since Mike until Mike McCarthy did it. The Cowboys could not win without their franchise quarterback under center until Mike McCarthy did it so like again that's fine and true Casey and again I'm not coming for Casey here but like you know we, we like oh well you know Dan Quinn was better than the worst Dallas Cowboys defense in the last 30 years so he's got all this equity in the bank uh Tony uh we've gone a little bit long on this so how Howman's really raked in the points um on this one I don't know if you guys have been keeping track like I have uh but I used to say uh Tony that um understanding that Tony Romo was a really good quarterback was kind of like a, a password into a secret club um and james i'll get this right here panagopoulos uh says dak is becoming romo uh and then helen chimed in and said romo was way better than dak we've regressed this far <laughs> tony like again it's impossible to have this conversation it really is yeah if you went back in time and looked at my tweets like i'd be tweeting romo is the litmus test of do you know ball or not and now it's fast forward to 2023 and i'm saying the same thing about dak prescott it's super frustrating and sometimes if i can level with you i wish i was a fan of any other team where my team loses and i can just be upset about that instead of going oh my god like here comes x y and z conversation because dak had to try to force a ball in a 12 percent chance to win a game situation so it's just it's if you're the shortstop of the Yankees, you're the shooting guard of the Lakers. Like it just, it comes with the territory. It's not fair. 
it's not and, and you got guys like Josh Allen who's Oprah Winfrey with turnovers. Okay. So it's just really hard to Jalen Hurts had two picks on Monday right, night. I mean right. they won they won, but like Dak threw two picks in games the Cowboys won last year and got killed yeah. for it. Yeah, and then they they go, Jalen, weren't you sick, right? Like you were sick before <laughs> you know, you were sick. So that explains it, right? So no, but understanding and i tweeted it out and i i couldn't believe the amount of like blowback i got on it i said Dak isn't even in the top 10 reasons why we lost this game like everyone's gonna paint to like the nail in the coffin is the interception but what about nothing else going correctly you know what about guys getting hurt fully padded in pre-game warm-ups like tyron smith couldn't even play the guy was suited up for nothing it looked like me in the stands so it's it's just it's just i it's just the Dak Prescott conversation is so frustrating because you want to have a normal conversation. We're guys that take time out of our day to talk and try to bring factual information. You try to leave the biases out. You try to have a real conversation. And then as soon as Dak Prescott gets thrown into it, it's like a grenade of nonsense. And it's just, you just don't, it, it's tough. Yeah, no, Dak Prescott isn't the reason we lost this football game. It got to a point where, you know, you, you you make the smart decisions and you make the, the, the easy throws, but then you get into these condensed areas where the game is, you know, we're literally running three, four or five times under four minutes and you got to make something happen. And he tries to find the one seam. Now, if, if it was the absolutely perfect ball, Brandon Cooks might have a chance at it. And it wasn't. And there were three guys there. And then you look around and you pan the all 22 and there wasn't a soul alive open. So it's just, okay. Yeah. He threw an interception. He's on pace for six of them on the year. If, if he gets six at the end of the year, I'm sure a lot of people will quiet down. But guess what? Probably not. Um, okay. Well, there was clearly a lot of passion there. So, um, And Halman, I think, properly uh, leads the way currently. Halman sitting on 62 points. Tony, 51. Brandon, 50. Uh, you each still have one problem left to present uh, to the class. Um, I'm just going to be straight up with you. I didn't think this would take this long. Uh, so uh, we're going to have to be a little bit quicker here. Uh, each of you, when you present your case, and then obviously the other two uh, in responding to it. So, um, you know, up to the fourth gear, please, gentlemen. So, Brandon, we'll go back to you. Offensive line depth. We've kind of hit on this throughout the course of this. Uh, the, you know, Danny Phantom actually wrote an article last week that I think was inspired by our roundtable discussion, which was, hey, Chuma Doga, TJ Best, Cowboys all of a sudden have this, like, proper offensive line depth. And I don't think that we're really upset with them. I think we're just upset that they're needed right now, right? That, that Chuma Doga has had to play two different positions already so far this season, and we're only three games in. I think the you know problem, if you have one, is probably with Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and Tyler Biotish because they're the dudes who had to miss time so early on. Well, a week ago, I was the only one on this roundtable that sold the depth, so I'm going to take credit mm. for uh, calling that. So, so you, you, know, you manifested and put it into the universe. Way to go. Unfortunately, I think I did, but you know, uh, uh, neither here nor there. Hopefully, uh, hoping that this coming week it'll be a different story. But for me, it's you know, obviously the three offensive linemen being out is a very rare situation. You don't see that happening all the time. But to me, it just you know, to me, Odoga just he doesn't look comfortable on the outside. I felt like the the alignment of that of that line was was incorrect. I felt I felt like Tyler Smith. I know they're trying to make him you know the you know keep the continuity. Let Ty, Tyron Smith when he plays play left tackle, Tyler plays left guard. I get that. But in this situation, if you're going to have to put a makeshift line together, I think Tyler Smith of the five you put out there is the, is the clear best left tackle in my opinion. So I would have slid a doga inside. That's just my opinion. And then, you know, I, I think TJ Bass, you know, the, you know, some of the numbers and metrics out there, you know, I, I, 
I, I watched the game, and, and and I'll tell you this: TJ Bass looked pretty good, in my opinion. I thought I thought he did a stout a stand up job out there. Uh, you know, the PFF world will say otherwise, but I watched the game, and I you know I you know to me I think TJ Bass, and it's not my TJ Bass blinders, obviously, because I am a big fan of his. But it, it to me it was it showed the lack of depth depth because. You know, once you bring these guys in, it's like, okay, there's a huge drop-off. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a drop-off. You have two Hall of Famers out. You have Tyler Biotis out. But to me, you know, and I proposed this on the writer's block that aired this morning, where, you know, I, I would like – I wanted to see some another veteran come in. There's there's guys out there, one who actually played at Syracuse University. He was a guard and a tackle with Justin Pugh. And Holman rolled his eyes because, of course, I had to bring that in. But he's one. Roger Saffold, he's an old, older guy, but he was a back-to-back pro bowler who also played guard and tackle in the league. Like to me, like in this situation, like if if we're going to be down these many guys, you know, it, it even if we're down one or two, and Tyron Smith gets injured more often than not these days, you should have a, a you know have a solid guy in place. And I think you know I, I might be the only one on here that will say this, but I just I don't see it with Adoga. Like you know, I know a lot of people in in the, in the Jets land. My buddy covers the Jets, and and he, he he's told me before, you know, I don't know why you guys got this guy. And I'm like, I agree. Like I watched the kid play. I just you know, it's nothing personal. It's just, you know, my evaluation of him is, you know, at left tackle. No, I don't want him out there. It's just as simple as that. Bring somebody else in uh, off the street. You know, I, I would have liked to see Nassim Richards in there over him. I would have, I would have rather seen him at left tackle than a Doga because I've seen flashes. I know Phantom loves him, you know, and I, I trust Phantom's, uh, you know, viewpoints on that. But it, to me, it, you know, and I, and I said it last week, we were going into the game with, you know, six guys like that, you know, before, you know, before Hoffman, you know, uh, you know. All right, Bandit, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move. We gotta, we gotta move. So. But the point is, the point is, the depth is just not. It's just it wasn't there for me, and it, the injury showed it. And you know, it, it it makes me nervous when you're playing against some of these higher teams. Like the Cardinals are one of the worst teams in the league, and and we got destroyed. If that was the Niners, I mean, both would be in the backfield every time. Tony, um, quickly, um, the Cowboys chose to not play Tyler Smith at left tackle. Um, I honestly haven't seen a ton on this. Maybe I'm just missing it on social media. Chris Holling in our chat says it's mind-boggling. They chose a battalion on the inside without Tyron playing. Um, are you fine with that? Are you fine with the Cowboys just saying, like, hey, Tyler's left guard, and unless Tyron's going to miss permanent time, we're keeping him there. We're just going to try to get through one game. Um, obviously, we have the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, I think that is my ultimate, like, the way I view it. I mean, the guy has been hurt. He hasn't had a chance to play. He's been, since training camp started, the left guard. He's been getting all the guard reps. And I know they did it to him last year where they, like, the week before, they made him go and play left tackle. It's not an ideal situation. Adoga's the veteran presence. He's played, you know, both spots. He's he had a little, He's got a little longer in the tooth there. Doesn't mean that that's something we want. If this is Tyron Smith's going to be out, there's got to be a long-term solution. But I think they were trying to figure out a way to make them maximize or do the most they can with the offensive line. And, and you know, to the offensive line depth, I don't think it's that big of a problem. I actually came out of it encouraged. I don't think there any team is going to really do well when you get three of them out there. But I feel confident if we got to see one or maybe two out there, TJ Bass, Hoffman played decent. Like, there's guys that showed some encouraging signs. Now, again, I don't want a whole, you know, preseason lineup out there. But you, I think the depth helped their cause a little bit here so um to answer the Tyler smith directly i'm for a short term it's fine at left guard it's not ideal but it's fine yeah howman i mean they got beat up but i mean they were down three starters right like and they they were down their three best starters all due respect to terrence Steele, and even then terrence Steele had a false start in the first third down of the game right so like the one dude who's out there who's kind of like you know not in his second year uh tony 
I which I really think was on Brock Hoffman and the Cadence. I, mean, I think they, they called on Steele. Tony, but everybody did you not moved. understand that we were pressure yeah. time? I mean, geez. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the, the penalty was called on Terrence Steele. That's the way it looks in the NFL Jesus logbook, and you just wasted 30 seconds. So those next points that anyone's going to give you, deduct it from you, all right, automatically. <laughs> uh, so, Hellman, um, it was tough sledding. I mean, but we knew it was going to be, and they tried to make it work, and it just didn't. Yeah, I mean, they 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 made do with what they had. And, I mean, we, we're, we're talking about this, like the offense came out there and, like, didn't score any points, like, didn't do anything. Like, they, they did pretty well. They actually had more total yards than the Cardinals did. Like, that kind of got lost in everything. Like, they were able to move the ball. Obviously, it's not what they wanted to do, but they were able to survive that within the, the structures of their scheme and with some of the West Coast principles. So, like, obviously, yeah, you don't want to have to play another game with those three starters not in there, but I'm not really, like, I'm not going and saying, like, oh, we got to we gotta go in and, and, like, sign a bunch of guys. Obviously, if someone's going to be out for a longer period of time, that's a different conversation. But, I mean, I, I like what they saw with with being having to adjust and adapt on the fly um, and I, I really don't think knock on wood that there's going to be a whole lot of other situations where kind of last second you find out you're without three guys in the same week. Um, just a quick update. We have two problems left. Uh, Tony and Brandon sitting on 60 points. Hammond, you're at 69. So there are two more opportunities to pick up points. Hammond, we're going to stick with you. Um, so your second and final problem of the evening, um, as I interpret it, were the lack of touches, as in you were upset that Deuce Vaughn and Kamonte Turpin were not utilized on offense. Yes. Uh, very, very simple here. Neither of them got touches. Deuce Vaughn didn't even see the field on offense once. And at one point I was kind of scratching my head, like, is he inactive? And I'm like, I wrote the inactives article for the game. And I, I like knew I didn't write his name. And I was like, are you sure he's not inactive? Cause he's not out there. And especially in this game where with the offensive line problems, one of the adjustments that they made is like Dak is getting the ball out real quick. He's not really taking deep shots. And there wasn't a whole lot open downfield anyway. And so you're dumping it off to guys real quick, throwing short of the sticks and hoping that they can pick up yards after the catch. Two of your most explosive players are Deuce Vaughn and Kevante Turpin. And Mike McCarthy's done a really good job in the last two weeks of getting especially Turpin involved, but also getting Vaughn some touches last week against the Jets. And they've both just shown that they have that extra gear. And I'm just like, why would you not, you know, even if it's just quick dump offs, like get them on the field because they have the explosiveness. They have what it takes to kind of build, you know, gain some yards after the catch. And that's what you need in a game like this, where you're down three starters on the offensive line. And I just like, I'm, I'm legitimately wondering if like Deuce was injured or if like Turpin was like, if he was sick or something, like how do you just, you know, feature them in the previous two weeks. And then in a game where they would really fit, you just don't use them at all. Um, Tony, I wrote an article about this. It'll be out on th Wednesday morning, and I tweeted it earlier on Tuesday. Tony Pollard has been used a lot, like a crazy amount in terms of recent Cowboys history. Uh, through the first three games of the season, he has 62 carries and 12 receptions for a total of 74 touches. That is more total touches through the first three games of the season than Zeke Elliott had through the first three games of every season he played for the Cowboys, except for his rookie year. I know that was kind of a word salad, but I hope it made sense for all of you. I mean, so like he's on pace for this like heavy workload. And we spent the last two weeks like, oh, all of you made a horribly big deal out of Mike McCarthy wanting to run the ball. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> like not only is he trying to run the ball, he's trying to like wear out Tony Pollard in the process. When to Hellman's point, Deuce Vaughn and Kevontae Turpin, able-bodied players who are also available. 
yeah, I think the Tony Pollard numbers mixed with what we're saying about Turpin and, you know, Deuce is is a one of the low-key bigger problems in my mind because they don't really d- diversify the football at all. Like, you look even last week, I think it was, you know, CLM had 11 receptions, but, like, nobody else really had much to speak of. And then you look at, you know, CeeDee Lamb almost looked checked out at times because he only had, like, four or five receptions, 53 yards, but it was Michael Gallup's turn. And then the way I look at it and I'm, I'm super frustrated by it, but it's my opinion on it is they almost look at Deuce Vaughn and Galante Turpin as like front runner pieces. Like, Oh, we're up 30 or 20. Let's get cute. Let's go give Turpin a rent, you know, run around. Let's get Deuce out there and get the Deuce chance going. Like it just, <laughs> it's it. When the game's on the line, they're going to force feed Tony Pollard. They're going to try to jam the ball down CD lamb's throat. And they just don't really like they, they have their guys and you, you know, where is Tolbert in the mix? Tolbert don't get the football either. It's just they have two or three guys. I don't know if it's a Dak issue, if it's a Mike McCarthy issue, a trust issue. It's You're right. When when you force feed Tony Paul and you don't give the other guys touches, it, it creates a problem. Uh, Brandon, it does kind of feel, to Tony's point, like Deuce and Cavante are the, the onion strings on the stick, right? You know what I mean? It's like, hey, like – you know, here's the, the piece of me. And like, this is the little garnish. You know what I mean? Sometimes you get the the little, you get chives or something to kind of dress it up. Like it, dude, I mean, they're like, those are my son eats those. He likes those as snacks. You know what I mean? Like give, give them, give us that all the time. Like we don't need it just as a garnish on top. No, I, I mean, that's a fair point, but I would say this, they, you know, they're in the game less than 20% of the time, you know, in the first two weeks, so it's, you know, they're, they're not going to be focal points in the offense. I think we all can agree with that. Are they the most explosive players on a team? Absolutely. No, no questions asked. I think it's just, to me, it's a, it's a one week situation. I, I felt like McCarthy was going at a more of a, a, a conservative. I know we've said that millions of times. I felt like in the last, you know, last few weeks, a conservative approach considering the old line issues. And I felt like he didn't want to drop some crazy play with reverses and things like that, where it could, you know, it could potentially just get blown up in their face and, and set them back behind the chains. I think that's, you know, that, that's kind of my thinking. You know, yes, could they have thrown maybe a quick little receiver screen to, to Turpin or, you know, a quick little maybe a Texas route for, for Deuce? Sure. But I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the fact that they were they were going more downhill. I think it was I think it fit considering the five offensive linemen you had in there. I was OK with it. I felt I felt uh, I felt uh, Hunter Lepke. I think he played pretty well. You know, there were some good blocks in there. He he was utilized a little bit. So I enjoyed seeing that. But uh, the, the guy that I want to see more like I know you guys, you know, you're talking about. Turpin, you're, you're, you're talking about Vaughn. How about more Rico? Rico carried the ball. Let's see. He carried the ball four times. And he averaged, I mean, it's a smaller sample size because Tony Pollard ran for 23 times. But he averaged 5.3 yards a carry. And, like, to me, he he had a lot of juice out there. I mentioned earlier in the show, he did, like, in a, you know, not, not a Barry Sanders-esque, but the point is he went around, like, seven guys at once. And like, it was like he put his foot in the ground. And just went the other way, like you know, Rico Dotto. I know Tony's a Rico got Rico Dotto guy. I know he's been ringing that bell all off season, so I give Tony some credit for that one. But Rico Dotto is to me, he's he he needs to get more touches. I want him to be the red zone back that Zeke Zeke was. I think he's our power guy, you know. But I also like the fact that McCarthy ran the ball, you know, right up the middle. Like it wasn't like these flashy little sweeps and off tackles. It was right in your face. It was effective. They ran the ball. It was for 5.6 yards of carry. And, you know, I know Hallman mentioned it earlier, like that last, you know, few minutes of the game, it was like five straight rushes. I, that part I didn't like so much because that's why the, the Cowboys have a very bad red zone percentage right now. They're near the bottom of the league. I think they're in the, 
the late 20s right now. But, you know, overall, I like the fact that they, you know, they used Tony Power. They did that. But to me, it's more Rico Dotto for me. Like, I, I think you don't want to wear Tony Power now. I get he's on the he's on the, the franchise tag. You know, you can run him into the ground, per se, like the Raiders have done Josh Jacobs. I get that. But at the same time, you know, I think a guy like Rico Dotto should be getting some more love and more touches. And I feel like he could help save a little bit of that wear and tear for Tony Pollard when we're going to need him in December and in January. Uh, ESPN's Todd Archer tweeted after the Rico touchdown that it was the first uh, Cowboys touchdown off of a screen pass. This was according to ESPN stats and information since 2019. Uh, which is basically the entire Kellen Moore era as offensive coordinator. Uh, but to the point at hand, don't even use Tony Pollard on the screens. Like, use Rico Dowdle, use Deuce Vaughn, use Kevontae Turpin. Like, throw the ball to them in the backfield. Like, that, get the ball in their hands, get them in space, give them opportunities to break tackles. Uh, speaking of Tony and utilization, our Tony is about to land the plane here. The final problem, uh, Tony, this is how I wrote it. Uh, the way Cowboys Nation handles adversity. Uh, so we'll see if Hellman and Brandon agree with your point, but go ahead. Um, take us home. Yeah, this probably won't win win me any favors within the fan base, but I think as our arch nemesis once said, we got to relax. R E L A X. Okay, like uh, we just uh, got too much. Like Cowboys fans get they get too excited. The highs are way too high. The lows are way too low. Like, the, yes, this is a tough loss, but like let's not make it bigger than it has to be. I like I mentioned at the top of the show, I forgot what a loss felt like and how like panicky it gets around here we need to relax okay it's a tough loss nobody played well but everything that we thought good about this team in the first two weeks doesn't all of a sudden not become true and you got chris holland and the rest of cowboys nation saying we need to trade for kyle pitts and we need to make <laughs> chris taking us stray in the comments Jeez. it just it, everybody <laughs> loses their mind it's almost like that joker line you know what i mean like it just everyone's chris losing their mind you, tony chris agreed with you you just took a shot at <laughs> so yeah that's that's pretty funny actually but um i will say so i just the, the cowboys nation as a whole we just need to learn how to handle adversity like we are we all in agreement here maybe outside of brandon that we weren't going undefeated <laughs> like you know like we were gonna oh. lose a, <laughs> like we weren't Come gonna on. we were gonna lose a football game here right it was gonna happen none of us really <laughs> thought it was gonna be against arizona but that doesn't mean that everything changes this is still a, a quality football team this is a, a team that is flawed, obviously, but this is a team that is still in the upper echelon. I know, RJ, you had them at six. I feel like that's fair after after everything we've seen. But, you know, this is a top five football team when they got everything going around. But uh, I think we all as a fan base need to relax. We need to learn when, you know, to fight the fight and this isn't worth the fight. Uh, just quickly, I had the Cowboys at six in my power rankings at blogontheboys.com, and we also curate where outlets across the uh, the internet have the Cowboys. And uh, my good friend Jimmy, um, he asked me yesterday on Monday, he was like, "Hey, like, you know, what, what do you think are going to have the Cowboys, whatever?" And I was, you know, kind of talking about. He's like, "Well, what do you think is the lowest that it's that they're going to be like with all the outlets you pull?" I was like, "I guarantee you, someone's going to have them like near ten. Like, like everyone's going to kind of be around the same place, but somebody's going to be the one to like drop them way too low." Um, no uh, strays intended at USA Today, uh, but they dropped the Cowboys all the way to nine. I mean, ev literally everybody else had the Cowboys at six that we pull uh, at BTB. Uh, but Brandon, there, there is always like the the one person who's got to like, oh, I got to do the hard Cowboys take. You know what I mean? Of course. I mean, look at all the networks. I'm not going to give them any credit because y'all know who they are. Look at Twitter. I mean, Cowboys Nation will attack them on Twitter because of, of their poor takes on different shows. Again, I'm not giving them credit. I'm not going to say who they are, but y'all know who it is. And I actually said on Twitter, 
R-E-L-A-X in one of my tweets during the game. So, so Tony, I, you know, that was kind of one of my things. I had to pull a little Aaron Rodgers out because, you know, I, I do get fired up during the game. I'm a very passionate fan. If, if you know, if you ever come to a game with me, you know, I'm going to be very loud. I'm going to be obnoxious and I'm going to I'm gonna have a good time. But at the same time, you, you know, I like to, I simmer down. Like I, you know, I, you know, I realize, okay, there's 17 games in a season. You lose one big deal. I still have the Cowboys winning 13 out of 17. That's 13 and four. I am completely okay with it. I'm the, I'm the glass half full guy. So, you know, you know, at Cowboys nation as a whole, yes, it, 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 it's like, it's like when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, like they burned their city, like Twitter, Cowboys Twitter was like getting like torched. It was like, I'm like, okay, the sky is not falling. Dak Prescott is still an elite quarterback. Dan Quinn is still a good defensive coordinator. Oh. Let's all just let's all relax. No words for Mike McCarthy. Defense. Only Dan Quinn, right? <laughs> well, okay, Mike we, McCarthy. We have to protect called. Dan Quinn. No, nobody can even think about anything negative related to Dan Quinn. No, but don't allow it in your brains. Protect. Well, I mean, him. yeah, I mean, I love Dan Quinn, but no, Mike McCarthy. Everybody is so soft so- with defense. No pun intended for <laughs> Dan Quinn. It's embarrassing. Well, the run defense is soft, so he needs to work on that. Um, okay, Hellman. Um, Final points on this subject. Do you agree with Tony, uh, who's basically called out every Cowboys fan for being too dramatic? <laughs> well, first, I just want to cover my bases. One, I'm not going to quote the quarterback who shall not be named. And I'm also just going to preemptively say, Chris Halling, great guy, makes great points. <laughs> Love him to death. Um, but no, I, I, I am I am going to stand up for Cowboys Nation a bit because, like, the, you know, this is, this is a fan base. Like, we should be so lucky that the fan base is this passionate that – when the Cowboys lose to a clearly inferior team, it just ruins their whole day. It ruins their whole week. Like we should be lucky that they're that passionate about this team. Like, like I said at the beginning, my fiance is a Bears fan. She wakes up every Sunday and is like, who are we losing to this week? Like why why even watch the game? There's not really much point to it. Um, thank you, Chris. Uh, I mean, I, I have another Bears fan who like last week before they even lost to the Chiefs, he was already doing mock drafts. And I was like, buddy, it's week two. Like, <laughs> Like that, that's, that's just the difference. Like the Cowboys fan base is they wake up every single day thinking Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. If, if they don't get to the Super Bowl, like it's, it's not good enough. And that's the standard. And that, and there's a reason that's the standard. So I, I don't really have a problem with them being like really upset, really like emotionally invested and, and being really angry when they lose, especially when it's to a team like the Cardinals where they were favored by 12 and a half points. There's no way, even with all the injuries, there's no way they should have lost this game. Shouldn't have let it get away from them. Like they have a right to be upset. Um, you know, obviously I'll, I'll take some issue, especially like when it's, when they're saying like, Oh, Dak Prescott, like we, we need to get rid of him or saying things like that. But, you know, for me, like as a writer, like I have to, you know, divorce some of that emotion and be a little, little bit more objective. But like for me as a fan on, at the same time, like when they, when they're losing, like I'm right there with you. I'm emotional. I'm upset. I'm not happy. Then I have to take the fan hat off. And like, I, I get it. Cowboys nation. I understand. Um, that was really kind of beautiful and sweet. Um, Halman. So uh, that was kind of a negative point. No offense, Tony, but you know what I mean? Like, but you kind of made it really wholesome. Uh, thank you to Jim, Jim um, in the chat Eagles fan, Jim, Jim, who's very nice and hangs out here um and and corrupts their own algorithm by the way hanging out here uh so really nice job from jim jim and thank you for the super chat says jim jim says go astros good roundtable fellows the the astros uh, in a tight race of their own for the al west uh which is really dramatic for me uh but um uh, whatever whatever I, um look i know you guys all how many we got to get you to pick a baseball team um you know, well, how about the Diamondbacks? There you go. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, uh, so uh, anyway, um, 
I think that there is some truth to everything that all of you said. Um, Tony, I agree with you that sometimes like the sky can be falling pretty loudly when it's really not that bad. But Hellman, you're right. It's not just that they lost the game. It's that they lost to a radically inferior opponent. Um, and I find it amazing, by the way, that even though that that's true and the the way that they lost, that people still won't come for Dan Quinn. Like he is that Teflon that that like like people are so blinded by the love for the non Mike McCarthy coach that they can hype up. Tony, that they are just like, nope, nothing wrong with Dan Quinn. It's Dak and the interception. It's McCarthy, and he wasn't aggressive enough, and there was no, it was too much Tony Parr. Like they will not say it. They, there are some people who just refuse. It's you said it earlier, and I have to repeat it. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Like they, they don't like Mike McCarthy. They don't like Dak Prescott. They always like the next guy. They always like the the backup quarterback. It just comes with the territory. So until Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott win a Super Bowl in a Cowboys uniform, it, everyone's gonna have love. There's gonna be a faction for the number two guys. You don't what they say. Oh, you didn't see the Sopranos, but you don't know what it takes to be number one. You don't to, know. Uh, to back to Jim Jim here uh, in the chat uh, again. Eagles fan says, "Yeah, it was all Frank Reich, uh, the Eagles' offensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl. Look how that turned out. LOL. Yeah, uh, everybody would totally prefer Frank Reich to Doug Peterson right now. Uh, Tony, you said what I said um, that heavy is the head that wears the crown. We have to crown a winner here tonight." The final point total, super close race. Uh, third place goes to Tony with 86 points. Second to Brandon uh, with 87. First place, uh, throwing up the X, CD laminate it all the way through. It is the one and only David Halman. Congratulations, Halman, on the roundtable win, the final one of the month of September. Way to go. Woo! Accepted speech, 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 speech. You know, it's it's exciting to, to win, go out on – on a win with the last one in September because now it's time for October and y'all know that is my month. So I'm going to enjoy this win. I'm going to celebrate the only way I know how, which is with some pumpkin. And by the way, I, I saved it until after the decision was made because I do have a baseball team and it is the first place Rangers, but I knew uh, if I admitted to that, you know, maybe some oh. of that uh, tweaked a little bit. So that's how you play the too. game people that pisses me Mine off, too. but I respect the game. <laughs> Uh, so well done, well said. And I know how many that you're down bad because you wish like crazy that somebody from your favorite team was dating Taylor Swift so that you had a reason to create all this sort of content, um, uh, related to her and around her music and things like that. So, uh, there is a Howman, um, out there who covers the Kansas city chiefs that is in Nirvana right now. So, um, wow. Uh, Brandon, any final words? Great job, Howman. I just want to point out the writer's block is uh, on a winning streak right now. Two is two straight. Mm. So. Sounds like a shot at first and ten, Tony. You, I need Tony, Aiden on here. Yeah. Do you um? <laughs> do you feel bad for the stray that you you lobbed at, at Chris Holling? Nah, I shoot straight. I shoot. <laughs> that was straight at him. It wasn't a stray. That was right wow. at him. Wow. <laughs> I tried to defend your honor, Chris. Um, not that it ever, but, uh, it, don't let it ever be said that I didn't. Um, okay, let's leave. And as we do, Tony Catalina, um, in the spirit of baseball, please sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." Take me out to the. <laughs> <laughs> okay do the last uh start do the last verse i don't care if they ever come back and then we'll just, just take us home from there root 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 for the home team <laughs> that's all you got uh, i don't even know the rest of the words 